want to hear Andy being coached on how to deal with women's menopause in the workplace? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to BWB Extra, where we get to know renowned career coach and best-selling author Corinne Mills a little better. We hear how Corinne went from being an actress to becoming a fully-fledged career coach, why she's so passionate about helping people find a better career life, how companies should approach advertising job roles, and more importantly, what they should be doing to keep their employees interested, satisfied, and happy after they've actually hired them. So let's wind the clock right back and get a bit more into you personally. How did you end up doing what you're doing? You wanted to be an actress. I did. So I was an actress up until the age of 26. Oh, right. And I did some, you know, theatre and I did some small TV parts. And did that you do I, EastEnders? I did, unfortunately. But you did actually achieve what you were, you know, you were an actress. I did, to some extent. I didn't turn out to be quite the Judy Dench that I hoped <laughs> that I was going to be. So I thought, oh, actually, I better go and get myself a proper job. So I got a job, wangled my way into HR. Really liked HR, trained up, moved into kind of senior HR roles, did, became a fellow of the CIPD. But then I got headhunted to run a, for a charity, an employment centre. I thought, this is really different. HR could be quite firefighting yeah. sometimes. Oh, God, yeah. I wanted to do something a bit more positive. So this sounded really positive anyway. Lots of people did, crying. A lot of Kleenex, a lot of yeah, and <laughs> crying. And a lot of, yeah, a lot of, you know. And I loved it. So this... this this opportunity to work for a community, helping people with all kinds of challenges around their career. Loved it, worked there for seven years, had my second child, thought, oh, maybe I'll work part-time, maybe I'll work in a different way. And actually thought, well, maybe I should start my own business. Mm. Maybe this is the opportunity to do it. So actually I worked part-time in my other job. I started this new business part-time, built it up, it was time I, you know, earned enough to, to to leave my other job. And that was personal career management. And that was 20 years ago. We've got a team of 10. We work globally. We work with Buckingham Palace. We work with Grant Thornton. We work with... Buckingham Palace? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. absolutely. Career, okay, career guidance that's, for the king, I mean, king, to be fair, that's, that's one job that you don't need yeah. any qualifications <laughs> for. Well, have you got a long-term goal? My long-term goal is I would like to help individuals and organisations realise that you don't need to be a wage slave, that actually there's more to life and more to career than just doing it to pay the bills. And I think even now, right, you know, needs must, right, cost of living crisis and all of that, we've all got to be able to pay Mm -hmm. our bills. But your career and your work life can be so much more interesting and rewarding than that. And I think sometimes people don't give themselves permission to think that. They think, oh, that's just the grind, that's how it is. And also for organisations, right? You can make it more interesting for individuals. This must be at the top end, though. I mean, this is, you know, the whole live your dream stuff. Well, you know, what, what if you you got to work in a warehouse? I mean, how does that you work? You can be happy working in a warehouse. Yeah. I've worked with people who literally, they, they watch stuff on conveyor belts coming through milk bottles on but conveyor belts. How does that job mean no, more interesting? But those individuals had a real sense of pride in their job. They liked mm. it. They saw that as quality control. They had to probably, if something went wrong with a conveyor belt, they had to fix it. They had teamwork that was involved. Actually, they were really happy in that job. It doesn't mean to say that you are doing a, a relatively junior job, that that still can't feel rewarding. But, you know, their experience might be different in that organisation and another organisation. So I'm saying that there is better things out there 
for you. If you're really unhappy oh, where oh, you oh, are, you should you be able to... If you're unhappy in your job, do something about it. Exactly. I mean, but it's very like, um, it's the same problem with relationship. Actually, my, my sis gave me the best advice on this, which is that, you know, don't settle for average. Our thing is, is that when we look around, we go, wow, you know, there's this and that's bad about it and this is good at it and maybe that's, you know, that's just the way it is. It's like... I mean, certainly in in, in sort of, you know, choosing to give up independence, so becoming in a relationship, independence is amazing. So, like, you you know, which was her point. But in a job, you're kind of saying that, yeah, you know, don't don't just settle for it just being all right. But then, if I think that through, I don't know if that you can always hold that true. You might just not be able to get another job. You might just be stuck. You've always got options. Honestly, it's never too late. So I, so again, in my job, I'm meeting people all the time who are stuck in their career. They've got perhaps a boss who's a bit of a bully who doesn't, you know, who's um, not interested. They're doesn't having value a, them. Doesn't value and but their confidence goes really low. It goes kind of you think, well, that's all I'm worth. So they feel really stuck. It's like, no, you're worth much more than that. You've always got options. Now, it might not be something you can immediately step into, right, the next day, but you can work on getting yourself out. You can have a plan. It is absolutely achievable. I've literally, I know this is on the blog, I've helped thousands of people do that. It is perfectly possible, even in challenging circumstances and there are you know it's a really good recruitment market at, at the moment but even challenging circumstances you don't have to put up with a really miserable how experience you, how would work. you define what you shouldn't put up with if you are feeling sick to your stomach oh, that's about the thought of going in to work that's telling you something right oh, you need to do something about it when i left my last job because i've only been at urban club for two years i left and then I got sort of two or three job offers. And then, and I was going to take, frankly, the kind of one that was kind of most prestigious because I kind of, in my head, thought, that's what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to keep climbing and climbing. climbing. Yeah, it's logical. And then I thought, why the fuck am I doing this? Why don't I just go and do the job with people I like the most and that I think is going to be most fun? Yeah. And now I'm at Uri Clark. What a mistake to make. But, you know. <laughs> There's so many ways that could end. But they can take me. So I ended up. <laughs> so, but, you know, you at some point you've got to think, actually, what am I going to enjoy? It's Life's got, to, too there's short. got to be a little bit of enjoyment. Because the pandemic there. told us that. It's like we never know what's around the corner. It's like, oh my gosh, you've got to enjoy your life. Sometimes people are unhappy at home. I mean, that sometimes happens that they, they take it out on their job and they blame their job because they're blind to themselves and they're blind to their own pain or whatever they're going through. And that, you know, we know that I always know that I can spot it now because you have someone who is good and then they're not happy and then you fix whatever they're not happy about and then they're still not happy. So you do something else and then that goes on for a couple of years until they say, oh, yeah, I just don't want to do any of it. And it's, but the truth is always, you know, they're in a bad relationship or, you know, something. Oh, sure. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of complexity. It's the work, it's the situation, but it's also the personal context as well, what's happening in people's lives. Of course, it's a combination of that. But that's their anchor underneath it. So it's like the advice, if you're, un, if you're unhappy to go to work, it's like, try and question whether you're maybe just unhappy first. Do you know what I mean? Because, that, you know, you, throw the, you don't want to be doing changing both at once. Keep the job and then sort your personal life out and then find your dream job. Oh, but again... With coaching, look, mm. that is what you're doing. You're saying, right, that's a presenting issue, right? You hate your job. Let's look at what's really going on. What's going yeah. on in the work? What's the situation? What's the context? What's going on at home? 
you're you're looking at all of those factors because you're right because to make a decision a big decision to leave somewhere or go or apply for a new job internally whatever it is you want to make sure that that's on sound foundations not slippery yeah. ground how do you deal with a menopausal woman though what's the what's the top tips for dealing you'd with you'd be nice to her <laughs> well if she says oh it's hot in here and everything you're supposed to, you're allowed to say because it's my sister i do Take but if she wasn't my sister can I, can I say oh is that the menopause again that's probably a no-no is it you've just got to like no but you know because it's too hot but it's not too hot you're like it's actually you it, know it's a bit look we're talking about menopause but it's about a lot of things whether it's menopause whether it's about um well-being or mental health or it's about personal issues sometimes you're just giving people a space to talk it through and people don't realize sometimes people don't realize that it might be the menopause or it might be oh, a relationship issue i can't say to someone look i just want you to talk the menopause through with me <laughs> no. just take just take me through what you're going through giving people acknowledging that it's a thing that exists and giving people the opportunity to discuss it as though it's not a taboo and cursed subject that you can't talk about. It's like nobody will talk about periods. Well, no, that's, that's, that's see, the interesting thing about why I'm asking that is this is women's businesses, as it was described to me. So I need, I need you need to, um, what's the word, um, enable men to be able to, because we don't feel that, we feel that, like, you know, you're saying, you're insinuating that people don't talk about it. They sort of, but men men have learned and, it, you you know, you believe this is the um, everyone's fault, but, you know, we don't say women's female part they're bad, the worst swear words. We don't get involved really in women's makes me business. Mad, you know that. Yeah, but you know, it'd be good to change that because I don't know. I don't know. We're out my we're out of depth trying to talk about the menopause. I mean, it's like a woman talking to us about, you know, libido, you know, not being able to get it up. I mean, that's an experience you guys will never go through. It's the worst experience like in the world, you know. It's like it's awful, you know. Anyway, I don't know. I feel like I'm doing... <laughs> no, I mean it's terrible. What did my what do my friends say? It's like trying to play trying to play snooker with a um, yeah, I'm, I'm fully eyes open, you know. It happens to every man at some point. In fact, there's this one girl it used to happen with. Anyway, what's the too much yeah, information? That is too much information. What's the most misunderstood thing about what you do? That it's you know a bit of advice. And a pet talk, right, it's a yeah. lot more complex than that because as we've just said, the word it's coach, about... I think people kind of think, oh, it's nothing to that. So I think with a career coach, you, you've got to kind of work out who this person is, help them understand themselves, and that's we're all complex, aren't we? You've got to understand, understand their professional skills. You've got to understand the job market and where that might fit. So there's a lot of moving parts, I think, with all of that. And you, as a career coach, you've got to really have, be on top of all of those mm. things because you're you're facilitating, but you're also giving advice. And so you've, your advice has got to be current as well. Yeah, you don't want to meet someone who in Asda 20 years time and puts a fist in your face. You told me to go into plumbing. <laughs> it's the worst move of my life. When you're coaching them, you will actually give them advice. You're not a kind of... I'd let you arrive at the answer. Yeah, yeah no. So career coaching is different. We will give advice. Because it's like, you know, if I said to you, how do you think you should do your CV? Right, you're going to look to me to say, right, let's do that. Let's look at your profile. Let's, right, we need to focus on things. Let's help craft it. And we work on it together. I mean, you know how to do the CV. Do you know how companies should advertise jobs? Any, any particular way? I think there is something about they need to really focus on the skills that are really required. I think sometimes they, they're too demanding in what they're looking for, actually. I think that, you know, 
going back to what we said earlier, it just is simpler, I think, because again, it gets really wordy, really verbose, a lot of the kind of recruitment what advertising. What are you actually looking for? Yeah. And authentic, because some of the marketing, right, you, you know, companies spend, you know, scores of thousands, hundreds of thousands on employer branding, don't they? And they all this, oh, yes, all this kind of, you know, shiny marketing, come and work for us. But actually, how authentic is it? Mm. And I think the other thing about that is, you know, they spend all this money trying to attract the talent. And then once the talent is there, they don't look after them in terms of, and that's why the career development stuff is so important. You know, at interview, they could be asked, you know, what's your five-year career plan? Where do you want to be in five years, right? Once they've been hired, they never ask them again. They never ask about their aspirations. If you really want to get the best out of people, you want to develop the potential, particularly in such a tight recruitment market, is it's now it's hard to get hold of good candidates, isn't it? You've got to nurture your people. You've got to grow them. You've got to help them develop. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Business Without Bullshit is brought to you by Ori Clark. Straight talking financial and legal advice since 1935. You can find us at oriclark.com. What are you most excited about for your business? It feels like we are properly coming out of the pandemic. You know, again, I know there's been a real theme about kind of remote, and but I'm going into way more offices now, many more face-to-face right. People meetings. will let you in. Yeah, and so there's just so much more of a creativity and an energy when you get people together in a room. So I'm excited that that's opening up again. And I'm also excited because it's a really nice job that I do. Um, I help people be successful in their careers there's some really nice stories around that. So it, it's a very rewarding thing to be no, part of. No, it's a nice of. job. It's yeah. a nice job So I get a kick you. out of that. On the opposite point of view, what have you cocked up though? What's been your biggest fuck up? i tell you an embarrassing thing that um, happened to me, which was um, I was doing, delivering a career workshop at Buckingham Palace. Very and nice. they had the footman come in. Oh, I said, want a footman. I know. It's like, need a footman? Uh, whenever I deliver a workshop, I would love to have footmen there. But then they said, you know, madam, would you like some tea? And, uh, you know, should I pour it for you? And I don't know why. I don't know why I said, no, that's perfectly all right. I will do it myself. I don't know what kicked in. I don't know why I didn't let the footman you didn't, you do didn't that. Because you didn't want to make feel posh, you know. You didn't want to sort of, you know, la-di-da. You're, 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 you're a lady of the people, you know. But maybe they were, there was all that kicking off anyway, so I picked up the teapot, went to pour it, went all down my dress. <laughs> oh my God. Right at the start. So I had, I was literally soaked with tea. I thought you were going to tell all me the footman got breath. a huff and walked off. What's the worst advice you've ever been given? Don't make a fuss. Don't In make a fuss. In my experience, it. it's always worth making a fuss because... A polite fuss. A polite fuss. A fussy fuss. fuss. But I think we've probably all had experiences when people have said, oh, you know, they, they, they didn't mean it or it's probably best to lie low yeah. or not to... Just let it go. But actually, you know when there's Just something... Raise. Well, if you raise it and, and if you're, you know, if that wasn't intended in the way or... It, then they've gotten the opportunity to say, no, wrong end of the stick, it was this, that and the other. You know, if you've... If there's something that's concerned you. But equally it gives a shot across the bowels for them not to do it again. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. a boundary-setting yeah. thing, and I think that too often people How do you make a fuss, though? I mean, you don't actually want to create a fuss. 
a fuss is a bad thing to create. You oh, want yeah. you, you're saying don't don't suffer in silence. Yeah, say something. But how how do you do that without fuss? So I think you say something like, "Can I just ask you about something? I just noticed that you said this, that, and the other, and I just wanted to check." that out on a one-to-one top tip you enormous uh, racist no one else in, what's going on no yeah. one else in the room i assume get them on their own well i think it depends if sometimes it's in a group session you might want to say can i just check you've said that can i you know and you oh, just give them a you just you just repeat back a little bit and say can i just clarify that and then they've got an opportunity to back to correct yes when I was much more junior, one of my colleagues got made partner before me and I was immensely upset and I went to the partners and said, what the hell? And they said, he's asked pretty much every week since he qualified, when am I being a part- made partner? And I genu- genuinely thought you just sat there and did a good job and one day a hand came on your shoulder and said, you know, well done, thou good and faithful servant, you yeah. can now be a partner. And that is not how it works. No. You have to ask if you're going to get. What's the best piece of advice you've ever given? Name whatever you think is going on. So if there's something, you've got a kind of conversation going on and you're really not quite sure about what is happening here, then just name it, just call it. It's just language. But again, it just gives the opportunity for people to, to, if you've got the wrong end of the stick, they can clarify it. But if you're spot on, right, you'll know. Yeah. And they'll know that you know. And you could have a more authentic conversation about it. I think this is quite good advice, but I think it might be really annoying if lots of people follow it. If you're in a, if, if you're in a is meeting, this because you just sounds, want to have loads well, of ambiguous it conversations? It sounds like a comedy sketch, doesn't it? Everyone going, "Are you backtracking on me? Oh, is this getting? <laughs> oh, is this getting confrontational? Oh, are you saying that we're in a room together talking to each? other? You know, it could get bad. But I think you're right to, to call it out. Generally, you're about calling things out. Yeah, that's. But again, that's my job. What advice would you give your younger self? Play to your strengths. You're not going to be good at everything, right? Nobody is, right? Some things you're rubbish at. But actually, if you can find the things that you're good at and and exploit those, you'll probably do okay. And that's good advice for most people. These are very good answers to the end bit, actually. These have been good. uh, She is a career That's what I was suddenly joking to myself. (laughs) I was like, oh, these are really good answers. I was like, oh, that's such a job. I'm pleased to see it. Any recommendations for us of what to read, listen, watch? Are you watching Succession? I've just managed to now get it on one of my TVs. My wife, did. I've started series one, episode three or something. Yeah, I quite like it. I mean, it's about a family business, so it's a bit close to home for me. So what know? I like about Succession is, is just the, right, it's kind of stuff and nonsense, right, but it's billionaires, you know. And the playground games, the the kind of lack of business rationale, actually, a lot of times for to, to sit, you know, the way billions have been spent, all the purchase of companies, etc., is really echoes sometimes a lot of the playground games you see in organisations because yeah. people do bring some really, you know, wild behaviour sometimes into business that is not about what's best for the business. But it's kind of more personally driven. So I like the way that Succession plays around with that and shows you that. It's an amazing thing. It particularly happens, I think, with M&A transactions. When somebody's, you know, you're selling a company or whatever and there's a lot of money on the table. There's that whole kind of macho thing and it gets into who can stay up longest. You know, like they have to carry on and do the deal and stay up till 4am and sign the documents. When actually, if everybody went home, 
got a good night's sleep and came back the next day, they'd be far more rational, far more reasonable and probably get a better deal. But it's that kind of childishness. It is. And I just really, I always find it, because again, I hear it all the time about, you know, politics in fighting within organisations. quite trivial stuff and the state is playing all of those things that are going on in an organization it's like why what's the point of it and a lot of the time there's no point of it. it doesn't serve the interests of the business it doesn't serve the interests of the people on there but it's this weird behavioral kind of yeah expression. they probably take it quite extreme though about how you manipulate people don't they i mean i i've only just for the first two episodes it's uh, maybe it is like that in some aspects of american most corporate life i mean they're pretty vicious when it really gets down to the crunch but i think it's it's it is surprising how much things go on behind things go on behind the corners because kind of that's how humans work that's kind of how deals are done you know and kind of how people do just as we're talking about one-to-one conversations and stuff it's not all open and transparent you know it is important that you go and talk privately to someone about to unblock it or you know to, to you know so so again i'm kind of interested because you know again people will tell me stuff as a coach about what's going on in their organization as a lawyer they will tell you you know you'll you'll hear oh, yeah. about that as well and it's astonishing sometimes the way, the kind of ruthlessness, but also the cruelty and kind of trivial nature of sometimes of some of the behaviour that goes on. When I was at university many, many years ago, at the university I was at, there was an archaeology department and a classics department separate. Now, in most universities, the archaeology department and classics department were a joint thing. The reason they were separate is because one of the lecturers had accused another lecturer of sleeping with somebody else in the team who he wasn't sleeping with he'd got incensed and they'd split the entire departments because they couldn't speak to each other and it's like insane like there's no commercial or business rationale for doing it it was just because he said i'd slept with him and i haven't politics bad gossip good that's where i am on the subject love a bit of gossip so that was this week's episode of bwb extra and we'll be back tomorrow with our finale for the week the business versus bullshit quiz. Stay tuned.